0: to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them.
1: Wow, it is great to be back on Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron.
0: I'm Drew Jordan, and here we are, season two, episode one, getting things kicked off here. Uh, we're excited. It's been it's been a nice break. We've reset some things. We have a, an amazing lineup for season two. Uh, some new things coming in the in the breaking down bits world. And we appreciate uh, you, you
1: for for checking this out. Absolutely. So if you have not listened to our season one, our first ten episodes, they are meant to be timeless. True, they're meant to be something that you can go revisit if you're into comedy. If you want to get into comedy. Uh, I think there's something for you. There's about 10 hours of, of great stuff with some really good interviews uh, and and just really proud of what we put together, but excited about what we're doing with season two. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
0: the lineup already for these first episodes is amazing. We have a new thing. If you want to get into it, um, we're doing a, a virtual open mic that you can sign up for the first one. I think it's probably full at this point, but sell out crowd. Yeah. For uh October 20th. That's uh, next Tuesday. Uh, when we're recording this. Um, but we're going to do those more and more often. If you want to get involved, you can email us at breakingdownbits at gmail.com. You can get all the details and everything about the Breaking Down Bits world at breakingdownbits.com, a beautiful website designed by our very good friend, Brian Ginger, That's this guy, yeah.
1: That's right. That's, that's the conduit to everything Breaking Down Bits, including the open mic, including all of our past shows. So uh, please go visit breakingdownbits.com. If you are interested in, in joining one of the open mics, virtual open mics, all you have to do is email us in at breakingdownbits at gmail.com. We're going to be doing these once a week ish for the most part. So, uh, Drew, myself, or, or both of us will be hosting. We're going to be hosting the co hosting the first one and really looking forward to that. So, uh, feel free to email in every week and we'll try to get you up. Uh, All right. True. Uh, Let's, let's get into it today. We are talking with Mr. Jeff Dye. I'm going to roll a quick intro video and we'll bring him in.
0: Jeff Dye is a nationally touring comedian, actor, host, prankster, and Bigfoot enthusiast. Raised in Seattle, he started doing comedy at Giggles Comedy Club right out of high school and was first nationally recognized on NBC's Last Comic Standing. Since then, he has had two shows of his own on MTV, his own Comedy Central Presents special, and starred on numerous other TV projects including Girl Code and Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Die's passion is bringing love and positivity through laughter to
1: everyone he encounters. Bringing love and positivity (laughs) to Breaking Down Bits. Jeff Dye, how are you? Hey, how's
2: it going, guys? Thanks for having me on this. This is exciting. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. I wasn't really for sure if that that point about uh, being a Bigfoot enthusiast was true. It's on your bio, and I was like, I'm just going to throw it in there because it sounds fun.
2: Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, well, it's always like, the, um, the things that are actually true about me, people will laugh and be like, he's probably just being silly, but it's genuinely So like, I love Bigfoot. And people go, what a crack up. Or like, people will be like, what should I play? I'm like, Goo Goo Dolls. I love Goo Goo Dolls. And then they laugh. And they're like, he's such a silly. It's like, these are genuinely just things I like. I didn't mean for them to be funny.
1: I'm not here to judge, man. We're not. Uh, but what a career. Absolutely, what a career. And, and I discovered you very early in your career. I was a huge fan of Last Comic Standing. You really showed up for that contest, and, and things have been great since. So it's Thank been cool you so much. Yeah, you. I
2: think a lot of comics talk trash about Last Comic Standing, but that's something I'll never do, because no matter how you feel about the integrity of a competition of art or a competition of jokes – I went from sleeping in a car—that <laughs> was like I was like I was like sort of homeless. I most homeless guys don't have cars, but I lived in a car to like now a, a beautiful home in like Los Angeles, and I'm very blessed. And and so I, that's all because of last comic standing.
1: Absolutely. So so walk us through that. So you, you did the last comic standing. Uh, you didn't even win. Sorry to sorry to rub it in. but no, it's good. I'm I think it was a, was it that Eliza you. that won that year? Yeah, she won. Oh, yeah, she's Eliza's killer, man. So you can't be mad about that. Uh, and uh, and then from there, wh- what happened? What was, what was next for you?
2: Another reason you can't be mad about finishing third on something like that is it's like uh, you get – everyone starts going, you know, you should have won. You should have won. You get that all the time. And if I would have won and Eliza would have gotten second or third, they would have said it to her. You should have won. So you get this <laughs> kind of like uh, all, all the time you hear that, oh, you were robbed. Right? And so – like I'm, I'm much happier with that than them talking shit just because I won. Because she deserved right. to win, she earned it. She played it great, and she's funny. So, but you know, so I'm happy about it. But what, what was your question about that? Oh,
1: so, so what was next? Did you get, did you get into a home after that? Uh, you were in your car, and <laughs> yeah, you get well, on NBC. I'm, he could yeah. run the heater sometimes. It yeah, was nice.
2: Wild <laughs> my <own> laundry. Um, <laughs> I moved to Los Angeles during that show. And had like a crappy little studio apartment, but it was, you know, it was an apartment. So I was like, "Holy crap, this is great upgrade!" Um, and then um, I forget what you—I forget what you asked. That's how silly I am.
0: Now, like, how do you? Go. What were the next steps in your comedy career? They kind of after that.
2: So once I came down to L.A., I started, like, doing, uh, like, the improv and uh, pretty much anywhere that would put me up. But I wasn't, like, a regular anywhere or, like, well-received yet anywhere because I didn't, like, have any friends. Whitney Cummings was actually the first person, like, would text me, like, here's a spot you can go to tonight. Here's a spot you can go to tonight. Here's a spot." And just because I met her kind of early on that same season of Last Comic Standing, they made her advance on one of the episodes and she turned it down because she was shooting a movie. Uh, I think it was called... Um, Maid of Honor, or something like that. And so she turned down last conversation. I mean, she could have won. That was the first year a woman won. Like Whitney could have maybe won. Um, So she was the only one I knew. And then, literally within like 15 days, I had like an audition to go. um, It was with Catalyst. It wasn't even really an audition, it was more like an interview. And then Jason Goldberg and uh, and um, Ashton Kutcher picked me to like host this MTV show called Numb Nuts so like it was like it was like a movie literally like they're like oh you did this thing now you're on a tv show it was literally like for me los angeles was like magical carpet ride
0: yeah did you feel did you feel really comfortable how was that what was different about doing comedy versus like hosting the show and kind of getting into that were you comfortable already doing like hosting and tv kind of work stuff or is that all brand new
2: it was brand new and it showed in fact at the (laughs) rap party uh, the producers cut together a, a reel of me screwing up my lines uh, from, <laughs> from the pilot episode, which was humiliating. Because like, cause like what they do, most shows, because I've hosted a lot of things since then, and they give me a prompter, or I'm so familiar with like how this is going to work that I'll put it into my own words. But I literally was like a kid who could barely read. <laughs> and, uh, and and just it's stand-up. It's my own opinions. People, people probably ask you guys, like, how do you remember all that, right? Have you heard people say that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, it's
2: not hard to remember my own opinions. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, no one's ever been like, how do you feel about Trump? You're like, I can't remember how
0: I <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, um So, you know, comedy is very, very loose and you just get to be yourself and you can put it however you'd like each night. Whereas with, with hosting, they'd li- he would literally hand me this guy named Peter Hirschko, great guy. But he would hand me, like, a stack and he'd be like, all right, here's all the host copy. And then he, then he would just go, all right, go. And I was like, I don't have all that memorized. What are you crazy?
0: There's no prompt. There was
2: no anything. So I would just sweat blood in my green room going, the show tonight. It was, like, it, was, it was brutal. So it was really hard.
0: Wow. Yeah, my memory is complete trash and I'm working on that, but it's not fun.
2: Really? Wait, wait, what do you struggle with memory-wise? Like in people's names or like, like- monologues?
0: You name it. But like when I do, like if I'm doing new jokes or if I'm doing a longer set, I'm already like even I only like probably the longest set because we're both kind of newer comics. Longest set I've ever done is like 15 minutes. And and I'm still going like, oh, no, what was I going to do next? Oh, crap. (laughs) Uh, I got lost it. I got so I was telling this one and I don't I forgot what the order I thought I might. Oh, you know, I pre plan way too much, probably. But my memory is trash. I have to write everything down. I always have my set on my phone so I can. I can sneak over there it. and peek. Oh gosh, I'm the worst.
2: Yeah, I I get I guess I have a bad memory when it comes to remembering what order I did something. So like I don't care about the order. I'm just gonna ride with the ride with the crowd. You know, if like True. they want me to go this way, I go that way, and this way that way. All my own, obviously, the same material I was gonna do, but just in different orders based on how the night goes. But then sometimes it'll really pop in a good order, and I was like, oh, I gotta remember how I did that tonight because yeah. that really worked. And then I.
0: Tough, yeah. <laughs> i do some jokes where like some of the, this has to be revealed for this to make sense and then that has to be re- revealed for this to make sense and so there's certain orders that uh, some things have to go in and i i'm getting better i'm, I'm loosening up more and i think as time goes by I'm, I'm able to be like you know okay drew just get up there and just do what, what happened whatever happens happens it's going to be okay i get i think sometimes i get in my own head but yeah. um if there's any memory exercises i need to be doing them
2: all they care about is you. That's really the only thing the crowd cares about. You wonder yeah. why so many like, people like Nanette or like, you know, because they just go, hey, I didn't laugh one goddamn time, but she's sincere. <laughs> like, and and that's, like, that's, how, like, that's just what they want. <laughs> they want to just be able to connect with you.
0: That's Up what most people you. say about my stand-up. They're like, well, I didn't laugh, but it seems like a nice <laughs> well,
2: guy. Well, sure, you're very funny. I don't think Nanette was even trying. It was like a weird TED talk. And and Chappelle did like a fucking Nanette too on his like one thing, but they were connected with it. It Um, Daniel Tosh once accused me. Well, it's not accused me. It's very funny. He goes, uh, he goes, Oh, Jeff Dizak. That's what 80% smiling and 20%
0: jokes. (laughs) But I liked it.
2: it. I'm a happy guy. And I think people feel that energy or whatever.
0: Yeah. So what was next? Once you, once you kind of got integrated into the, the, Hollywood, or not Hollywood, but just the Los Angeles scene, what was the next big step that really got you going? The TV show was just a huge launching pad, I assume?
2: Well, the show never aired. So the reason it was called Numb Nuts is because um, there was Jackass, right? Like Mm -hmm. the first time you heard Jackass, you probably thought, why would they call themselves Jackasses? That doesn't make sense. And then they did the thing called the Dudesons. And then there was, uh, so MTV was trying to kind of create this like stable of like, Misfit kind of like teenage boys who will do anything kind of thing. And I hosted a show of three guys who were like numb nuts. One guy, his whole claim to fame is he's been hitting the balls like a million times in so many (laughs) different ways. Really silly. Uh, One guy was called Crazy Mike. And then it was just like this, they were jackasses basically, but we called them numb nuts and uh and i was just the host of it and then what happened was when they were in the editing process like when they're like adding explosions and all these like things <laughs> that like you know, like mtv would do back in the day <laughs> snooki got punched in the face on
1: um uh, on, uh, uh,
2: on jersey shore yeah. and it made the network go wait a minute we're looking at our analytics people love this kind of television and it's like 80 percent female audience So they're like, scrap all our boy shows. Let's just get all girl Uh, shows. Fifteen and pregnant. Blah 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 blah. And mm. you could, if you looked at the TV guide the next week, it was just all chick stuff. Um, So there's people. There was people initially who like I had moved to LA for like a month, and I was like, yeah, I'm working with Ashton Kutcher on a show, and they're like, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's no photos or no proof or anything. So like I look like the biggest liar ever Uh, eventually came out on MTV 2 like years and years later. But it was good money, man. They take they took care of me really good. And uh, and it was fun. And I also got to, like you said, learn how to host and learn how to like kind of work through that and get practice that muscle. Or um, I'm trying to think what happened next. At At that time, everyone was real good to me stand up wise. So I was basically a regular at every club except the comedy store. And at that time, nobody wanted to be a regular at the comedy store. The place was dog shit. Hmm. Um, in just between us, it was not a good. It was not a good environment. And, uh, in two thousand eight, on any given night, there was probably like seven people in the showroom, and then a bunch of comics wow. in the back. I remember one night going, and the comics were heckling the other comics. I was like, "What are we doing here? Like, I don't want to be in this black building that's haunted, with like the comics are just being negative to the other comics." I hated it. Yeah. Um, I kind of regret not getting in there now. I mean, now they're just like, dude, it's every celebrity. And then you submit and Adam Egget goes, I don't want any more white guys. I'm the gatekeeper." <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so from there, like stand up was really good to me locally, but then also like Comedy Central put me on like everything. I did like a live at Gotham. They put me on Comedy Central Presents. Um, they, I think a little while later I did this is not happening, but. They, they, they took good care of me, man. They put me on like everything. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of the, the the start start. And then MTV gave me my own show called Money from mm-hmm. Strangers, which was uh, an idea that Rob Anderson came up with, with uh, Scotty Landis and I think Kurt Braunohler also helped create that show. Um, and all you had to do was just go in and prank call. That was the audition. <laughs> So me and like a 20 other comedians went in and, and did prank calls and and Rob Anderson was like you're clearly it was you had clearly the funniest prank call but I've been I prank call all the time I don't have prank <laughs> them. I prank call from my house I just think it's
0: fun to I'm still to live alone you, like let you
1: still me. doing this yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh hell yeah dude I wish we had a way to call out from from our show we could, oh. we could do one right now it's so sure. fun.
2: do you guys prank call
1: I used to. Oh, I was, I received them from my friends.
0: That's, that's where I live. That's where I was. I'd be like, who's this?
2: I also, I kind of <laughs> consider it like practicing stand-up or like practicing like crowd work. Like I'm, uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know the term. I keep saying, um, flexing, but I don't think that's a good term for it. It's like practicing your wit. It's like, sure. you, you know, you don't know how they're going to respond. So you can just like fuck with them. I remember the call that I made for money from strangers audition was I called a karate place and uh and i was like basically about just talking about listen you know i'm not doing this beginner shit i need i want weapons also <laughs> also i don't know if there's an age limit but i want to be in a class of kids man nobody beats the giants you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna... <laughs> and, uh, the lady was like well it is mostly kids but i don't know if we can put you in that class and, and I was like, also baby i don't take my shoes off that's just something about me. <laughs> and i just kept her on the line and rob was like this woman barely spoke English and she was still getting riled up and pissed off at
0: like your prank calls. Like, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> that is awesome. Before we go any further, I have one more question. Yeah. How did you land the Dirks Bentley oh. music video? Because <laughs> when I realized I'm like, this is, Oh my gosh. I, I've been humming that song for a week now. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> makes me
2: happy. Yeah. I'm not a big country guy. We almost won a country music award for that. And awesome. I was like, so praying I could win that because that might be my only shot, right? I'm the least <laughs> musical guy in the world. I've <laughs> often said if someone stole my iPod, they would return it because I listen to some trash. <laughs> uh,
0: For people uh, who don't know, you are the lead actor in Drunk I'm, on a Plane. I'm
2: the guy who's drunk on the plane in the yeah. Dierks Bentley song. And uh, and so I was hoping we'd win because people come to my house and they'd be like, oh, there's that and it's the lip-sync battle thing and blah 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 and then be like wait how do you have a country music award (laughs) i just thought it'd be so cool uh but we lost we still got to go to nashville and do the whole thing and that was really fun but um so what happened was there's a lot of stories out there about how i got this um (laughs) so the the real story is i knew the woman who's dating the guy who directs all of dirks's things and so Dirk Bentley wanted Jason Siegel to play the drunk on the plane guy. I had just went through this like real weird breakup and I was, I was being just between us and whoever's listening. I wasn't crazy about the girl, but I was lonely, you know? So I was just getting drunk every night and people were like, he's masking his pain. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm happy as hell. You know? So it was kind of this perfect marriage of like what the song's about and like what I was kind of going through. And then Angie, uh, Jason Siegel was gonna charge all this money and wasn't available. And then she was like, just have Jeff Dye play it. He's a comedian, he's funny, whatever. And Dirks was like, Yeah, and Dirks was super cool and super nice. And uh sometimes he replies to my text messages still.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you did great. It was Thanks. it's a very it's a very funny uh and well played uh, and story kind of driven uh video that's just fun to watch, even if you don't like country music. I think anyone can appreciate that. So when you get done with the podcast, go enjoy that video. On the youtubes
2: there's uh, also some uh like sometimes i'll be uh i'll be like at like a farmer's market i'll be somewhere and someone <laughs> come up to me and they'll be like uh they're like hey uh how, how do i know you and and that just really shows like what you're most proud of because because i'll be like Oh, probably the Tonight Show, or uh, and, and they're like, "No, no, weren't you on that music video?" I was like, "Oh shit, I forget about
0: that one." <laughs> That's like Mitch Hedberg. You probably know me from the store. Yeah,
1: that is so true. We got a. Uh, speaking of, you keep saying between us, but we got a few people listening. Ron Jamon said, "You know, you made it when you're rocking gold headphones." So, twenty-four K, baby. <laughs> That's twenty-four K. so tell us so you've been doing you obviously have a lot of uh acting gigs and credits uh and you were doing have you done stand-up nonstop through over through your whole career have you're taking any breaks
2: so the only break i took is we were um out of the country for months on the show called better late than ever and Mm. that was the longest break i ever took from stand-up uh until covid
0: yeah so Sure.
2: COVID, but it, I, I don't think it's a continuous streak though, because I've done tons of zoom shows. I've done tons of um, like a little pop-up thing. We did a pop-up thing in the park, which was phenomenal in San Diego. And then I've also, after a few months, I've been traveling to all the places who don't care about COVID. So, and I know that <laughs> Texas, that's controversial and a lot. Come on of
1: people, out. You know, We're open.
2: You, oh, well, it was, I'm trying to think who it was. Was it Tim Dillon or something? There was someone I love and respect, but they did have a snarky tweet about how like a, uh, keep making that money off of these rednecks who don't care about, uh, don't care about COVID or think it's a scam. And I was like, okay, I will. Yeah. That's what
0: I'm going to (laughs) do. Smart strategy. Less
1: competition. I want to work.
2: I want to laugh. I want to have fun. I got COVID. I I dealt with it. It was two weeks. It was whatever. Now I'm fine. So, um, so I've been going like Arizona, San Antonio, um, Appleton, Wisconsin. I've just been going to places where, you know, they're having shows.
1: Nice. Absolutely. Well, uh, stand, it's up been my
2: first, stand up is like forever my first love. I don't care what happens to, to answer your question better. I, I don't ever want to stop doing it. It's what makes me most happy. And I, to be honest, not even that crazy about acting. I've done it it's whatever i don't enjoy it it's a lot of waiting around it feels weird actors are weird even the hottest like girl actresses are fucking weird so for me i will continue to do all those things because it's going to pad my comedy career like it'll, mm-hmm. it'll bring people to the shows and also people will be like oh I, I, I like this guy in that movie let's go see if he's good at stand-up and then they'll be like wow he's actually good at this and you're like yeah because that's what i do
1: is it do you think it's because you have to you have to it's somebody else's ideas right it's not your ideas, so it's never you never really feel a connection with it as much as you do a stand-up do you think that has anything to do with it
2: yeah brian i think that that's a big part of it but even more like i don't know how to like articulate this appropriately uh i think what makes a good stand-up is when they're honest right Mm -hmm. so if, I, if I'm talking about uh, – if I'm doing a bit about Jesus and I start to like be mean about it or something and people are like, well, that's not him. It feels disingenuous. That crowd can sniff it out in a fucking second. Like, we, mm-hmm. I can't get away with meaner material. And some mean comics can't get away with like, the eh, a fluffy – it's not going to work. Like, you have to just be so sincere to like what you are. That's why they always say like, find your voice. And I think acting is disingenuous. You're pretending mm. to be something you aren't. And so it feels fraudulent, it feels dishonest, and uh, and it just doesn't feel, and maybe I'm just not good enough an actor <laughs> to, to enjoy it. So.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like I've, I've, I've been getting a little bit of acting work and I think I like it, but I, I can imagine, nothing obviously anything you've done, uh, but I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from that maybe at that level I, I wouldn't enjoy it. And that stand up would be, uh, at least for me, more fulfilling uh, and more fun. Yeah. It's like a or, control or, thing too, right?
2: find the acting that you'd like.
1: Mm. So, you
2: know, like sometimes people will criticize like, uh, oh, so-and-so is um, always the same in every movie, right? They'll say, they'll criticize them for like, you know, let's say it's Adam Sandler, which isn't true. But like, let's say they're like, Adam Sandler always plays Adam Sandler in the movie. You're like, dude, they wanted an Adam Sandler for the movie. That's why they <laughs> cast him. Right. And then also, yeah. um, that's probably him just being more genuine to who he is. Like, And that's why I think like... Um, Curb your enthusiasm. Like, I love it. They just let you be yourself. And they don't even write lines. Like Larry's, <laughs> like just say what you think, and then when our, you know, here's where we're gonna go with this, and then if it's not funny enough, we'll just do it over again. Like that's <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. That'd be some sure. acting. You'd be like, oh, I hope that they cast me every show.
0: Yeah. Well, with comedy, I think, and I do some like photo and video on the side, and it's just there's just always a always an easy difference to spot when it's a project that. I came up with the idea and I, I love it versus yeah. it's someone else's project and I'm doing the creative like support work. There's no question. Like it's always yeah. more fun to do the thing that you believe in that you helped create your baby.
2: Yeah. And that's why I love comedians. Uh, I, if you look at my friend circle, there's about two regular people and the rest are comedians. Like I, I'm obsessed with, our minds, like the way comedians' minds work. And the most annoying thing, this will be like the only negative thing I'm going to say here, the most annoying thing about modern times is that everyone believes they're a creative type. And it's, Mm. you're not, you're not all creative types. And you know, like I sound guys and engineers like want to be on the front of the camera. And you're like, no offense, dude, but you're a behind the camera guy. I don't like, it's no, it's no disrespect. It's just, that's not what's gonna work for you or this project. And I think Instagram and everything's kind of jumbled that all up now, everyone thinks they're Goddamn movie star.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Motivational quotes from Jeff Dye.
2: Just like, it's not going to work. I I came to terms with the fact that I'm never going to play in the NFL. I came to terms with it. I, I'm not still fighting the battle. Like, give me a shot. Yeah, like it's...
1: You You could play a quarterback on TV, though. So you got that going exactly. for you. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's pivot into uh, the writing portion of sure. the show. So let me run a quick little.
0: Yeah, Mr. White. Yes, yeah, science.
1: <laughs> so, Jeff, this is where we get into the science of writing stand up comedy. Okay. Uh, science in the art. I think it's a little yeah. mixture of both.
2: Two words that comics aren't real comfortable with. When <laughs> we call our work art, like a lot of people aren't real comfortable with that. Like uh, I am. Uh, and then also the science. I'm not comfortable
1: with calling it the science but. Uh, you know we had uh, we had Scott Dickers. he's a uh, editor of uh, of The Onion for years. <clears throat> and he said that comedy is not art, it's entertainment. And that was an interesting distinction he made. so
0: because people have to like it is what yeah, because mm. like art you can just self-express all day long and be like, hey, great for you. no one has to like it, but art, entertainment. Other that's people have to also enjoy it. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's not – we can't just do stand-up alone in the middle of like some corporate park the way people just put a shitty statue out there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's <It's> right. <laughs> <art>. yeah. So, <laughs> so,
1: so the, the first question that we do is very open-ended. How does Jeff Die write comedy? Uh,
2: I go to a coffee shop because my house is full of distractions and things I want to look at. Uh, I used to put, I'm going to do this starting today, you guys have inspired me. I used to, and I'm going to start doing it again today, put my phone in airplane mood and Mm. I would just think about the things that are on my mind that day. And I'd write for, you know, 25, 30 minutes about just whatever I can try to get out there. Not conscious, not stream of consciousness, but just literally like, you know, police brutality. Let's write some shit about that. Maybe no one's ever going to hear it. Maybe no one's ever going to see this. Maybe these jokes aren't even funny, but let's write about it. That's what's on, that's what was on my mind this morning. Mm. Or, uh, you know, being in love, right? It's something that's on my brain right now, so I want to I wanna write about it. Uh, and then after 30 minutes, even if I don't get a lot of good stuff or I don't get a lot of, like, things, I go back into my phone, still on airplane mode, and I look at old stuff. And I think of anything that maybe didn't work or anything mm. that there was an old idea, and I start hankering, uh, like, tinkering on that and I learned that from uh, Tommy John Tommy would always cause I asked him about his process like all the time because he's so crisp like he's just very I like those joke writers that you can tell are like
0: a mm-hmm.
2: little old school you'd say I guess nowadays like they're very not alt they're just like it's set up punch tag 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 set up punch tag 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 and so i asked him and he was like yeah i spent about an hour on new stuff hour on uh, old stuff lately mm-hmm. i've just been looking at instagram just refresh 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 and I, i'm trying to get out of that so mm. it's really affected my writing time
1: airplane mode absolutely what a, what a great recommendation because that is man it's poison for you know there's so much stuff coming at you on social media the news the election, mm-hmm. that'll, so some of it, some of it you can use, but then you got to shut it off for a minute and just process. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, and I will that- try to like research a joke. Like I'll try to think like, is that even true? And so like, I'll go to the <laughs> bar and like, like, look up, you know, the things to, to write the joke. Cause sometimes you'll make a joke or you'll write a thing and you'll realize like, not only is that a false premise, but I don't even know where I got that information. Like, that is horribly inaccurate. Uh, but what happens is I go to search the thing for the joke, all productive, and then I'll just be like, no who's she? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing?
0: Well, that's a good – I like the strategy um, because I, I think the jokes, like you mentioned earlier, the jokes that I love the most are the ones that feel honest and real. And if you – yeah, putting on airplane mode and just taking a moment to take the temperature of – What's important to me? What, cause then you're going to have deeper feelings and emotions yeah, and you're going to have more to say. It, that makes a lot of sense as a great starting place. And also you're going to be proud of those jokes for longer because they're more connected to your honest feelings.
2: hundred percent. And also another tip I would say, if anyone, you know, is listening or think about this, like, wh- like, what do I write about? If someone says like, what, what do I write about? It's like, Think about what the audience thinks when they see you, you know, like so like mm. when people used to see me, I wore baggy clothes, I wore like kitty cat shirts, I had like long hair, I was <laughs> definitely homeless, you know, like, I, like, <laughs> I, like, and, and so when people saw me, they didn't have like a guard up, they just thought like, oh, this guy, you know, let's there's another fucking Seattle comic here. Yeah. The second I got on TV, they cut all my hair off, they put me in clothes that fit. And then from that second on, people are like, who's this douchebag? Like I've yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. never heard that in my life, guys. No one's ever called me a douchebag. And I've been called a douchebag 30 times a day for the last fucking 13 years. So it's – now what I need to do is take what the crowd sees in me and show them who the true me is but then also like acknowledge what they see and maybe play to it a little bit. I think that, that, that helps a lot because um, – you know, I'm nice. And so my jokes can't be evil because it's not going to make sense. I'm going to mm. give them what they see but also what's true to myself.
1: Yeah, you can really get in a situation where you're punching down if you're if you're more handsome in Hollywood like sure. like, like like Jeff here. And, I, and you know, I kind of struggle with the same thing, right? Cuz I, I I bathe daily and brush my yeah. teeth and uh, you know, lacros- we close Brian yeah. plays lacrosse. He's the most
0: <laughs> douchebaggery of a person. Yeah. <laughs> In, in, in all the external things. But internally, not so much. But externally, Brian fi- is fighting that battle every day. <laughs>
2: but you guys, but here's, here's an interesting thing. You guys are both like handsome guys. And you yeah. have like cool guy tattoos. And you've got like a fashionable <laughs> hair. You've got like a great look, I can tell, Brian. Like you have yeah. like a good like OCD, but also good, <laughs> got his shit together thing. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs>
2: however, if you're in a situation having some whiskey with like Doug Stanhope, and I, and I love Doug, one of yeah, my Doug favorite great. people. But yeah. let's just use him as an example. You want his approval. You want his whatever. Mm-hmm. How quick would both of you be like, you know, if Doug's like, you know, that douchebag Jeff Die, And you're like, <laughs> ah! like it's just it's, it's something. For whatever reason, people look at me and go, that's not what a comic looks like. Johnny Carson was handsome. Mm-hmm. Fucking, like, I, I could name 30 good-looking comedians that no one criticizes. But I think it's maybe just because I'm smiley and happy and people go, fuck that game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's the same. And what I was going to get to is you like, to your point, you've got to address it. You got to address it as quick as you can. It's got to be your first thing. Uh, and I've been advised this and I haven't quite figured out the line yet. Like I've got, you know, I've picking, picking on my unibrow. You can't see it now. Like, you know, those, <laughs> those things I've, I've worked in those spaces and I haven't found anything yet that I love. So uh, do you have, is there one that you have that you use to address that right off the bat that you've, that you, that's worked for you?
2: Not really. Opening yeah. line is, the I think, the one thing in my career that I have obsessed about the most. Interesting. So I've probably watched every late-night set that's ever been <clears throat> on television in stand-up comedy, and I'm not making that up. I'm telling, like, hundreds of hours, but I don't watch the whole set. I just watch what do they say when they first come out uh-huh. because that first sentence is so important that, you know, that's why, that's why they teach you that in, like, comedy classes. I don't know if you guys have ever taken those, but, like, they'll say, like, And the only reason I know this is because I've seen so many young comedians come out and go, I know what I, I know what you're thinking or, you know, I know I look like so-and-so, had a baby with so-and-so and and like, because they're teaching you to address it right away, uh, which then has made it kind of like hack and like original, but the, um, I'm so obsessed with the first sentence that uh, I, I like to do like little cheater things. Like one thing I do is, uh, this has nothing to do with me, but I'll come out like in a, a crappy city, whereas, like Appleton, Wisconsin, which is actually a beautiful city, but it's <laughs> Appleton, Wisconsin. So I'll come out and be like, what a pleasure to be in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh- it's, like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just some sort of icebreaker to just sure. whatever. And then now I've avoided, I've avoided having to come up with that perfect first line. Because sure. I came up some cheater thing to do, you know. So I'm very much obsessed with the first line. I think it's very, very important. Um, like, what are married some of your guys. favorite?
0: Oh, sorry. sorry. Well, yeah. What What are some of your favorite openers then?
2: Uh, for me,
0: I mean, for, that you've heard or or whatever.
2: Well, like Nate Bargatze does a great thing where he talks about like, like, he, like sometimes he will come out and just say like, you know, I've uh, been married. You know, for such and such years, uh, we have a daughter. Some people clap, and then he's like, "Yep, it's getting pretty serious." Like it's just such a <laughs> subtle, casual. Yeah. But it also tells the crowd, "I'm a dad, I'm married, and this is my temperament of of comedy." And mm-hmm. so I've I've mm-hmm. struggled to find that. Like like um, I yeah I think also it's another cheap move that works is just piggybacking on what the comic before you did. That that goes a long ways um sure. but it doesn't help you rem- doesn't help you come up with the perfect opening line i used to just say i'm a white guy
0: <laughs> 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 just clear that up right off the top
2: yeah let's just you know hey i'm a white guy i don't know if you're uh <laughs> i said that on my tonight show actually one of the tonight show sets i go uh a uh, little about me i'm a white guy uh so <laughs> if you guys know anything about history our bad our bad <laughs> <I
0: don't
1: know. laughs> uh, Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a pretty good segue so the next question we get into is uh how do you prep for a set what, what are you doing before you before you, you know you're gonna be doing so a set
2: my home comedy club in uh los angeles is uh the comedy and magic club in hermosa beach
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i live in sherman oaks uh and it doesn't matter where you live that's a drive to get to hermosa beach so i love uh that's what sucks when comics are like we should have carpooled and i'm like oh we should have but i didn't i didn't want to carpool i wanted to sit, <laughs> I wanted to sit in my yeah. car in the traffic on the way there with my set list um it's like where the speedometer is i'll put it in the middle part like just the set of each joke that i want to hit and each mm-hmm. more bit that i want to hit and what order and i'll just blast music that is um lyricless so some sort of like uh you know not something i'm going to sing along to but just something mm-hmm. i can look at those words and just kind of like obsess about it. and i always yanni
0: do or something stuff. yeah do
2: you and guys you- ever like do you guys ever just not have a set list and then they're like all right you're on next and you're like shit which you ever do that
1: i hate that i do it and i and it never usually doesn't go well for me i don't know about you drew yeah I've, i think i've had very success i feel like
0: when i don't have a plan and but i'm in like a, 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 a i don't know like a groove i have the most fun in those moments mm-hmm. but I also perform at my best when I'm very prepared. Like, I know myself, and I know to feel to have the confidence that I need to step on stage and have a good set, I just got to have the prep done. I've got to be ready. I've got to know what I'm doing. Um, It just works better for me.
2: Well, as you guys get farther in your careers, I will encourage you and everyone that's listening to always – Always be prepared because what you guys just explained isn't something that happens when I when I literally I haven't thought of a thing and they're like Jeff, you're on next. I'm like, Oh shit. And I kind of run back there and then I get on stage. I always kill. Always, always, yeah. always. But then afterwards, I'm mad at myself because all I did was the bits that I know kill. That I didn't work yeah. anything new. Yeah. I just leaned, I just leaned on all the shit I already know is good and I already know works and so I'm just like a joke robot up there. Mm, And then I drive home going, what are you doing, man? You went all the way down here, you didn't work on a fucking single new joke. And that is what kills a comedian. Every Mm. town has some old road dog who wrote great jokes in the beginning, and then they never wrote anything again, and then they wonder why Comedy Central doesn't want to book a 60-year-old road comic from Utah. And it's like because you're not prolific, man. You're not working on it. You're not writing on it. So uh, I hate when I when I go out there and just do the old shit that kills, and I didn't prepare.
0: That's a great point. That's that's a wonderful thing. That yeah, if you're not if you're not making progress, that's one yeah. thing for me. Just not to not feel like a depressed jerk and stay in bed all day i've got to make progress on something yeah and uh that, yeah working on new bits is when a new bit like i think any comedian would agree when a new bit works especially like the first time it's like drugs in your veins for hours like you're lifeblood yeah
1: we're like a oh, new
2: thing we got a new thing
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah nothing better nothing better yeah. And I, and I said, it doesn't go well. And I think it's more, honestly, what you said, Jeff, I just kind of default to this is material. I know it's going to kill. I don't add any new tags, new ideas, right. no nothing. And, and then you've got that, that I guess it's guilt or whatever it is that you feel after. Um, but this, you know, what we've done here and I'm curious if you have a circle of people that you work with on, on jokes or people you're, you're comfortable going up and getting feedback from, but this has inspired me to write more and then given me more confidence to experiment more on stage. And then get off stage and then talk to my group of friends or encourage them to listen and help give me tags. And gosh, man, it's just kind of it's becoming this new uh, machine that's just creating out new material. And uh, so do you have a group of folks, uh, people that you work with or people that you take advice from on your stuff? So in
2: Seattle, we used to do a thing literally every uh, every when we woke up. So I would say morning, but 1130, (laughs) we'd go to a coffee shop and we would go in a circle. So it's would say, all right, what are you working on? Andrew Slater, a very funny comedian, lives in Portland now. He would say, all right, here's some things I'm working on. And then we would add to it. We would just say, but the rule was, it didn't matter how hard we were laughing or whatever, we're working on Andrew's shit right there. Yeah, okay. So that's, you've got to be able to trust these motherfuckers, because as a comic, like you'd be like, well, I said it. You're like, I know, but we were working on Andrew's bit you know we were yeah, right. we weren't working on jeff's bit this is i said a funny thing to give to andrew mm. and then you go to the next guy see what he's working on and the next guy, and our group was never larger than about four people um, and you could also another bad thing that kind of rears its head in those moments is you start to realize who's not got the best ideas like <laughs> you're like yep. oh mike maybe should retire from this uh, open mic group. but the um, <laughs> you just help each other and then it's also fun when it's your turn because you're getting free stuff. I've never turned down. There's been comics I hate who are like, "Hey, do you want to tag?" and I never say no. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> shit? like, what? Are you <laughs> about? I've lived off words, and you're gonna give me free words? I'll take it. Um, yeah. Andrew is probably the guy I lean on the most, um, even now. Like for like projects. Like sometimes, like I have a um, podcast with athletes mm-hmm. and. Um, And so it's me and Russell Wilson. Every week we have, like, a different person. But because Russell Wilson knows mostly athletes, it's been mostly athletes. And so I've leaned on Andrew Slater and Aaron Marsh, uh, two very funny guys that I trust. And they'll just text me jokes. Like, oh, you could ask. Like, I had Ken Griffey Jr. on this week. And uh, I'm from Seattle. And um, me and a a handful of people from Seattle, it it goes, Griffey, God, than your dad like that that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, how it works. and so aaron marsh sent me a joke that said he said you should say hey ken griffey jr uh can you say adam ray sucks it's for a friend
1: <laughs> 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 and it
2: made me laugh so stinking hard or like we had chris paul and one of the questions aaron marsh wrote was uh hey chris um uh, You've been in the league for fifteen years. You've seen a lot of NBA finals. Have you ever thought about being in one?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so good. Um, uh, so yeah, I still good. I still lean on people. I don't feel as gross taking people's jokes when it's uh for a show or something.
1: Mm,
0: right.
2: So what I would never like I would never ask someone, hey, write me something that I'm gonna do for stand up, but but for like a show, and it's like twenty-four right. hours till we tape. I'm like, hey guys, give me anything we got here. I need some help.
0: That's awesome. And we, we kinda touched on it, um a moment earlier about what happens right before you go on stage. That's one thing we always ask. Let's say, you know, the last few minutes before you step on stage, what do what can you do? What do you do to make sure that you're going to have the best set? What's happening in those last moments before you get on stage?
2: Uh, So before the last moments uh, I've, I've wrestled with, so I never care about eating. You know, people say, Oh, I never eat before I go on stage. I will mm-hmm. eat sometimes right when I'm walking out, like I'm just <laughs>
0: you're so you're got a drumstick in your hand. Okay.
2: <laughs> if I don't drink before a set at all, like not a single drop of alcohol, I always think to myself, "Wow, I was way more organized and that went a lot smoother." But then when I am drunk, sometimes I'm like, "No, nah, man, I'm more loose." Baby. <laughs> like,
0: I'm
2: like so, I I've always wrestled with that, like whether I should or shouldn't drink before a set, and if if it even affects me better or or worse. Um, but right before I go on stage, I try to take a deep breath and I, I actually get down on one knee and I, and I think, like, I like literally say like a little, not a prayer, but like, I can't believe we're getting away with this. I can't believe that this is yeah. what I get to do. Yeah. Like on the other side of that curtain is a comic who's going to give me a hug and, and hand me a microphone and then I get to talk to hundreds of people who, even if I'm wrong, are going to laugh. They don't even agree with me. They're laughing. (laughs) Also, if I bomb, my boss is going to come out and be like, ah, fuck them. You'll get them tomorrow. Like, it's just such a (laughs)
1: beautiful
2: job that I like, you know, whoever you believe is upstairs, God or the Tao or Source, like, I just want to be grateful that, that we get to do this. I'm so in love with the job and it's fun for us to get to be able to be that.
1: We, yeah, we've yeah. heard a few people say that, and that's something, Drew, that we got to remember. Just have that moment of gratitude right before you get yeah. on stage is, is kind of what you're referring to, and that's well, awesome. Well, that's why
2: like, a lot of um, comics that are maybe getting in a little bit more trouble, like I think um, – I, I don't know if I should say that. But there's there's certain guys I think that have gotten a little too loose up there with their celebrity, and it's like – it's the crowd's kind of like looking around going, Hey, what's he mad at us for? We love this guy. Like, <laughs> It's like you kind of – I don't think, it doesn't matter how edgy the subject is or what you're talking about, you still want them to like you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. We've got to focus on that a little bit. You can't just be like, fuck you if you don't like it. You're like, well, dude, they came to they came to watch and listen to you. Like I have a little love for them.
0: Yeah, they okay. all bought a ticket with your name on it, so I'm pretty yeah. sure no one's coming to be like, "I hate this guy." I'm gonna buy. It's like this when ticket. you watch
2: porn and they're like mean to the lady. You know, like- <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, be nice to her. Take yeah. that bitch! You're like she obviously likes you. I don't know what you mad at her
1: for. <laughs> you're that's gonna uh, that's gonna come to me this weekend at the Improv. I'll be thinking about that in the middle of my set. All right, so. <laughs> So do do me this. We're about to roll your clip. It's from your album, Live from Madison. Do you want to uh, just tell us a little bit about that recording? Anything you remember specifically from that day, from that show?
2: Yeah, I remember that thinking that this felt like cheating. The crowd was so hot that I was like, "Wow!"
1: Like
2: <laughs> that, like that club. Um, it's a uh, it's Madison Live, I think is the name of the club. Uh, right?
1: I'm not sure the, the I'm not sure the name of the club. I haven't been there.
2: It's okay. It's in, it's in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, the, the people that run the club are two, like, gorgeous sisters who are super nice, and, uh, and the club's always packed, and it's just a fantastic. They've never had me back. The only weekend I was there I recorded the album, but uh, they're probably just like, this drunk idiot hit on my sister the whole time. But, the, uh, <laughs> but it was a great club and super, super fun, and I had a great time, and, uh, and I just remember thinking how great the audience was that I was like, yep, this is the album right here. So I knew, like, right when we were recording it that we were... That that would
1: so be wait, did you wow. know you went in with the intent to make an album or no or you weren't? Oh, wow.
2: No, I like to record almost every single night. Uh, and some people, you know, like they think it sounds real humble to say like, oh, I could never. I hate hearing my own voice or I hate listening to my sets or I can't watch myself on TV. And I'm confident enough to say I watch everything I do. If I'm going to be on TV that night, we're watching it. Like, I'm <laughs> watching, I like athletes review their film. Like, you know, sure. like professionals, you know, go look at their golf swing over and over and over. So I'm trying to be the best at this that I can be. So I watch all of it. I listen to all of it.
1: That's good advice. So I've got this split up into two clips. Let's go ahead and roll that first clip.
2: Sure. I, uh, I'm
3: not gay if you're curious. Uh, <laughs> I know what I look like I feel like I have to tell people I know nobody's looking at me going I bet that guy could bag a deer like <laughs> no this is my look um, I think I'd make a great gay man though yeah I'm, I'm very friendly I smile a lot I uh, smell good I love parades um, I like to dance you know I just don't like guys and I guess that's the most important part. It's just frustrating. I don't know why these gay guys are so exclusive, you know? Because I want in, you know what I'm saying? These gay guys got it made. You know, I see sad ladies all the time. Uh, you know, being in New York, I'll see girls like weeping in public, you know? I see upset fellas all the time. There's some mean guys here tonight, you know, just cross-armed, like, I didn't want to come to this shit, You know? but I've never in my 31 years seen a sad gay guy, ever. They're always skipping around, all happy, smiling. They always look all smooth and shit, you know? They always got tons of money. I'm like, let me in. I want that. You know, I'll be the crazy gay guy that dates chicks, you know? It's not fair. Hogging all the happiness. I, uh, a lot of people are surprised when they find out that I'm not gay. Uh, mostly my dad and grandfather. Thank you for laughing so hard at that. Um, no, but uh, this guy the other night, he was real surprised too. This guy said right to my face, he goes, You're not gay? I was like, No. He's like, you're not gay. I was like, no. He's like, why'd you let me buy you six drinks? Times are tough, baby. Don't make this weird. Try to tell guys that all the time. Go in there, flirt a little, you know. Chat them up, get some free drinks. You don't have to sleep with them. Women have been doing it for centuries. It's, it's, it's just, you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. We we ended Thank on an applause. Nice. We ended on an applause break. Uh, women have been so. doing it women have been doing it for centuries, speaking truth, getting that applause. Uh, a lot of great technique that I recognized in there. Uh, a couple of great lines too. I, I love bag of deer. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, don't make this weird. You get some cool, uh, chat them up. I love some of those little quick expressions that you do. Uh, and then, and then just the whole irony of, look, I'm going to be the, the, the gay guy that dates chicks. What, what, why not? Yeah. So uh, A lot of great like. stuff in there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do love. I love that misplaced focus where it's like I love everything about being gay except that one thing. Uh, <laughs> that was well, that was a. And
2: also, like I think that that helps men identify with it. Like maybe even homophobic men are like, wait, maybe the only thing I'm hung up on is that we're into different sexual things, right? Yeah, yeah. The rest of it's pretty freaking fun. Yeah,
0: you know, I notice. I mean, and and you, we'll get into even more. You picks you pick some some topics here that could get someone in trouble these days you have to make sure that you you know you're careful like i know that i mean as a younger comic i'm careful about the topics i choose and i i have a similar bit where i kind of joke because I, I get some things people ask me if i'm gay all the time oh, really? uh, it, it's a real life situation that i live every day <laughs> and uh <laughs> but i it's i would i have some issues sometimes worrying about okay is this going to come off insensitive or is this going to come off funny? Because I don't mean it to be insensitive. How did you work through some? How do you work through those, those topics that could go wrong? Mm. And you just need to make sure that everyone understands that you're just being funny and you're not, make, you're not making a derogatory statement about anything.
2: Yeah, I think the smiling helps. You know, like mm. I smile a lot so people just know, oh, he's being playful. But I have done that my whole life so yeah. the, that's just something that comes natural to me but like maybe if you, it's not natural you should smile occasionally like just give them a, like a smirk to go hey you know this is work comedy this is comedy um i will say also i try to always be on the right side of history on things so if i'm going to talk about a delicate subject at least make sure that the that you're going to be fine with your take on it, does that make sense? There's mm-hmm. a lot of cheap laughs to be had about homosexuals and uh, the gay community. I don't wanna do those because I'm mm-hmm. not gonna feel good about those. However, it is our job to make fun of all these subjects. It's our job, it's what we do. And, 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 and also, let's, let's break down the, you know, breaking down bits here, let's break down the word making fun. Oh, he made fun of black people. Yes, I'm making it fun. That's what mm. I'm doing. That's what this is. It, wouldn't it be great if we can make things fun? Like that's the <laughs> beauty of being a stand-up comedian. So yeah, I'm going to make fun of 9-11 when I'm in New York and the, it's, I'm doing comedy in 2005. I'm gonna make fun of that. I'm gonna make mm. fun of uh, these fascists or the, or the Black Lives Matter movement. Like that's what's happening in our world. It's our job to make it fun and make it uh, palatable and, and whatever. But you do have to be cautious that if you're going to venture into that territory, then you, you know, if you're going to war, y- you come prepared. You got weapons and you've got armor and shit. And I think the same thing with jokes, like if you're gonna if you're gonna go into that war zone, make sure that you got the jokes and you've got the right opinion about it.
0: Yeah. Have you had any moments where you were kind of get it, working out some of those material and had some people get kind of ruffled in the audience and you had to deal with oh, that? All the time,
2: all, all, <laughs> all the time. It happens all the time. And that's the risk that we run. But that's why I always say, like, comics shouldn't get in trouble for making tasteless or cancelable jokes. I think politicians should. I think reality stars should. I think athletes should. But not us. We should get a pass. We're trying to make a joke. Our intent is good. Our intent is mm-hmm. to make you laugh. Um, and so it's happened a lot. I mean, I can't tell you how many times just just during COVID I've made a tasteless white guy joke um, about me trying to understand how to make what's happening currently funny and uh, I've got some good stuff but I've, I've also had some swings and some misses uh yeah. and, and you know that's part of it and 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 so afterwards I'm going oh, I hope they're not hanging on that one joke even though I made them laugh 99% of the night uh a good example of that is there's a guy I uh I love to read and he's a he's He's a clinical psychologist and, and he gets a bad rap because he's a little bit more conservative than what the modern young people like, but Jordan B. Peterson, do you guys know who that is oh yeah, yeah, so Jordan B. Peterson loves to call stupid people chimps right he call, he call, he refer he refers to them that their their brain is not evolved <laughs> enough yet it's not yeah. their fault they're just like these little chimps who just think in <laughs> simple ways, so that's That was this little seed that was planted in my brain. And I was doing a show in Seattle, Washington, right after uh, Richard Sherman went to sign for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. And I was very upset about that because I loved Richard Sherman as a Seattle Seahawk. And when we didn't sign him again, he uh, he, he could have went to any team, but he intentionally went to the rival team to piss us off.
0: And I thought that, <laughs> that was really
2: petty. you Because know, he's like, well, you you guys didn't want me. I can go to anyone I want. And he's like, yeah, but that's kind of like – having sex with my ex girlfriend and being like, well, I'm single, you know, like it's, it's
0: like,
2: no. or I guess the better example would be if I broke up with her and then she fucked my best friend, you know, and I'm like, Hey, right. come on. And she's like, well, you didn't want me. It's like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm making fun of Richard Sherman. It's going real well. Cause everyone in Seattle agrees with me. Like, yeah, fuck that guy. I get it. And I was like, also he thinks he's real clever just cause he went to Stanford. But anytime he tries to argue, he sounds like an idiot. That's the thing about Richard Sherman. He's just a dumb chimp and literally (laughs) (laughs) you could hear the crowd go, what the fuck and i was <laughs> like my mind and I'm, i didn't go no no no, like out loud i did it like in my mind like oh shit how do i recover from this how do i fucking? It? <laughs> it was so uncomfortable and like some people left there was like a, like a family of of uh, people that left and the security guard who knows me really well they're a really cool guy he's, like this big black guy he's like i was even trying to tell him like no jeff ain't like that jeff's a good guy <laughs> <laughs> like, from walking out the door
0: no, it oh
1: man. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Michael Richards was a big Peterson fan, I think that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> uh that's crazy hey i have a quick question for you i'm doing a set this weekend and i'm bringing in some sports humor and some and i haven't really done much of that and he seemed like a pretty big sports fan because the people always are like comedy people aren't sports people which is probably true but you, you find that you can get that to work on stage or if you find any tips yeah, on for it. sure
2: i think especially like in the south it works very very well yeah um you you know because college football if you don't watch pro you watch college and if you if you're maybe not to be sexist, but like if you're a girl who doesn't like sports, you're probably with a guy who does. Mm-hmm. So um, the only time I've had trouble with sports jokes is uh, is like you know New York, Austin, Portland, Seattle these kind of places where stereotypically the people don't like sports. But mm-hmm. I think always think it's funny to like tag it with something like uh, like I was I did like UCB in uh, in New York in like 2008 or something like that. The show was just I mean they looked at me like, why is this guy even in our city? Like it was like the the most
0: alternative
2: crowd ever. And I said, uh, you know, I've been reading Judy Carter's uh, comedy Bible. And one of the (laughs) things she says is know your audience. So, first joke. What's with the Cincinnati Reds' new first baseman? Are you kidding me? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: and, and just that I could acknowledge that they probably hate sports, and it, blew, it like popped because they were like, "Yeah, we fucking he's right. We hate sports." So I think you have to feel it <laughs> out a little bit, but if it's just a regular crowd, it's going to work.
1: Yeah, and it's Houston stuff, so it's safe, right? And we're in Texas, yeah. like you said. So, well, Brian um, Regan is a
2: good example of that. Brian Regan has done multiple sports jokes on uh, on Letterman, mm-hmm. and every time it's. Every time it's, um, it's, I it's just, just stay away from specifics and it'll be good.
1: Cool. I'm going to roll the, uh, the second half of this clip. Okay. Let's get it.
3: Yeah. Homophobia don't make no sense to me. I, um, my dad's homophobic and I asked him about it, said right to his face, I said, dad, what are you so mad about with all these gay guys? You know, and he goes, well, I don't want one of them coming up to me and. That was his answer. I was like, I'm sorry. He's like, you know, I don't want one of these gay fellas, you know. I was like, Dad, you don't even answer the question. You're just wiggling your body around. Plus, I think you're confusing gay men with molesters. Gay guys don't wander around like there's a 65-year-old in camo. Get him you're safe, dad. (laughs) So Asim, I said, explain yourself, you know, like a human being, you know? Like you should, you can use words. He goes, well, I'll tell you. All day in my brain, I picture two men having sex with each other. I was like, what are you doing that for? That's what you're upset about, you old perv. <laughs> it's disgusting. The heck's the matter with you? I, uh... <laughs> I like all people. I don't care what the hell people are. I like animals more, but I like people. <laughs> people are nice. I like all people. Uh, but people think that I don't support gay people just because I don't believe in gay marriage. I like gay people. I'm just Christian, so I don't support gay marriage. I believe in the Bible. I believe marriage is between a man and a young woman sold by her parents in exchange for (laughs) cattle, crops, and village safety. People say, Jeff, why aren't you married? Well, no one's made me a good enough offer. I wanted to be pretty, but I also want to get some goats in the deal.
0: oh man <laughs> boy I still, you can just I still
2: do that joke in my act that last part
0: oh yeah you can just hear the i don't know if we have time to i guess we don't have time to play the rest the continuation of that bit but when you get into like uh explaining kind of the meta conversations you kind of get into like oh when i tell this joke this is how the audience yeah uh, reacts and it's like uh you can hear the air getting sucked out of everyone's mm-hmm. butthole as you put it yeah <laughs> what would it you get Silence. (laughs) The
2: the how sensitive the world has become is only going to help us comedically because Mm -hmm. now we're going to be able to play with that. You know, there was a time like, you know, in the 90s, you will listen to like HBO specials and you listen to like records or albums from that time. Anything went. You could say anything. I mean, they they had no shot. Like the shock value was gone. There was no so. It's kind of good that it's back because now we can play with it for sure. Mm. So I don't think it's hurting Mm. comedy. I think it's helping comedy.
1: That's a great take. Yeah, I mean, everybody's like comedy's dying, and and you know we're from the city of Bill Hicks, which is exactly what you just explained, right? (laughs) Here in Houston. uh but yeah i mean that's that that you can get that tightness and then and then flip it on them and, and use it against them to make them laugh themselves make people laugh themselves right exactly um, how silly we've well, gotten also, like
2: i think the modern time is kind of saying like hey guys you should care a little less about what comedians are doing and and care mm. more about like your communities and bill hicks was like he was annoyed and yelling at them to care more because (laughs) that's
0: right. It was amazing.
2: Actually, this is actually a joking, you know, I probably shouldn't say this anymore with my current situation, but, uh, Bill Hicks used to have a quote where he's like, man, fuck the audience. And then I used to always say, yeah, Jeff Dye says, fuck the audience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is that on your business card? (laughs) I love, I I do love, I love the way that one, one, I think my favorite delivery in all of this was maybe like, what are you doing that for? <laughs> like oh, yeah. the way that you say those words, like not even the words themselves, just the expression and the, and the kind of the squeeze in your voice. Mm. Like, oh, it's just, it's just absolute perfection. That delivery. Oh, thanks,
2: man.
0: Do you, do you, how much do you think about, cause we, we like to talk about writing, but also performance. What, how do you think about, um, tweaking the way you say the lines versus just the writing process.
2: Uh, yeah. The, so I will say that the, my delivery is, is somewhat not, pre, not somewhat. It's definitely not premeditated. Okay. Um, so the, the words are always going to be the same and they're going to be as um, very, very, very specific and meticulous about the word, but mm. never about the delivery. And I can mm. notice sometimes a joke have you guys ever done a bit and it works and then, for whatever reason, a month later, the exact same bit just isn't getting the same pop. Right. You're like, "Well, what am I doing different?" And I have to go back and listen to it a month later. and Go, "Oh, that's what's different." It's like I'm totally not even selling it. Yeah. Um, and so it is. It's it is important to to do those things. I will say my best like uh, expressions that people like uh, come from either a just something that they've never heard before, like "Oh, doctor," or like something like,
0: <laughs> something like
2: that. Hey, the other one is when i use a person's name which i've heard other comics do but like i love that instead of just yeah. being like cool it lady i'll be like cool it janine
1: yeah and I think that
2: makes them laugh because janine and then the third one is um talking wrong uh i'm a simple guy i didn't graduate high school i i didn't learn to read till pretty late in life and uh, and i've made that pretty public a lot of people know that about myself so sometimes people just laugh because i'm talking wrong I'll say a thing that doesn't make you know. I call it a baseball shoe. I know it's a clip, but funny to say baseball shoe. Um, another example is like um, I'm trying to think. Uh, ain't no. I'll say like there ain't no problem with that. And
1: it's
2: yeah. like, ain't no, you know like so. Just little things like that of talking wrong. I have a bit right now that I'm working on called. Uh, it's just about how stupid singing shows are, and I had to put it on hold for a little while because I was doing a singing show with Fox.
1: <laughs> the I masked singer.
2: I started it by going, um, "When will the world stop being impressed when people sing good?" Like, and that's, that's the opening like line. Uh, and I've had people actually have to show you go. You know, it's not sing good. I was like, I know, but it's funny.
0: <laughs> so those are the three. Funny. I really, oh, I know we didn't hear the clip, but if you do listen to that full special, you hear right after we'd cut it off there. You do go into this big meta moment where you go, typically when I tell this joke, this is what happens. And you do it. It's beautiful. The way that you, the storytelling through it. How do you, like that's a thing that I think a lot of comics sometimes try to different levels of success to go. Normally when I tell that joke, X, Y, Z, right. What, What led you to want to include that and tell those, those kind of stories, like you just tell the joke and then now you're telling a story about telling that joke. It's kind of like this weird moment. What yeah. made you want to tell that that way? And like, do you do that a lot? Do you find that's really successful for you to kind of go, you know, after yeah. the show, this lady came up and you're kind of doing those storytelling moments.
2: Uh, I would, it often comes off preachy when I do it. Uh, Cause I'm lecturing the audience. I'm saying, Hey, mm. daddy's got you. You just listened <laughs> to me for 40 minutes And now you're going to go, wait, he doesn't like gay people. And you're like, no, that's not what the joke is. If you just waited six seconds, like you waited on every other joke, you'd know that this is a pro gay joke, but we're so I'm almost yet like not yelling, but I'm almost like annoyed that they Mm. can't just understand that. Okay. This comedian said a thing that I initially in my regular day life don't agree with. You know, and that's why I did it. I'm trying to trigger them with the setup to give them a funny punchline. And so I like to punish them and remind them that they're at a comedy club. And if the second you stop being a comedy club audience member and like an activist, then you're wrong. You, you're wrong and I'm going to lecture you about it. I do a bit very similar to that now in my act. I think it's on my new album about how women are horrible audience members. And, and when they hear that, they're like, fuck this guy. But then throughout the bit, I explain how men are better audience members because we're not as good of people. Well, laughing, don't care. I could write a great bit about killing a dog, and if the bit's good enough, men are like, ah, and that's why they're great audience members because we're worse humans. And then I explain how <laughs> women are better humans, but that makes you shitty at hearing comedy because you're just too sick. And, uh, but I explain it a lot better, and there's a lot of punchlines in it and stuff like that. But I think if you make your argument good enough, People, people go, okay, I agree with him. He's right. Women are pretty shit. Like Anyone that's ever complained after a show, it's been a chick. It's any time. It's just never once have I had a dude get mad. It's just never happened in my entire career.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a good you point. You know why? why is that?
2: They go home and they shut the fuck up. That's what they do. They say, I'm not <laughs> <this day." laughs> They hated me and they go home. They don't take it personal. A woman hates my comedy. She has to tell everyone. She has to get her money back. She has to like, be outraged.
1: Blast like you online? It's
2: not, yeah, it's not like every guy that's ever heard my comedy likes me. They they just leave and they go, I didn't like that guy. That's, 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 that's crazy.
0: That's funny. You also do a lot of biblical references in that bit. And I, love, I do a lot. Of, I grew up. My dad's like a Baptist preacher, so I have a lot of that in my act. And I'm always struggling to be like, because I'll write jokes that my church friends from back in the day would all get. It's obvious to them. Sure. But uh, normal humans who didn't grow up like in a super fundamentalist Christian kind of atmosphere, has no clue what I'm talking about. Right. And you do such a great job of using the stuff that everyone knows, I guess, or, or what, what goes, what's going through your filter as you like, you clearly have some connection with religion to, ha- to even write those jokes. How do you make sure that it hits everyone in the room?
2: So before age 23, the only book I knew anything about was the Bible. And, uh, I, I was a young life leader. I, I, my parents weren't religious at all. They're agnostic, but I grew up around church kids cause they were the nicest kids. And also I had no money. So they'd be like, want to go on a ski trip with the church? And I was like, I can't I'm like, we'll pay for it. I was like, I'm there. So like, <laughs> they always had food. They were always positive. There was always, always like, pizza Billy around right? My so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down, man. These church kids are great. And then also, um, as much as I am not a fan of conservative Christian doctrine and dogma, I'm a big, big Jesus guy. And whether you think he's real or you think he's uh, made up or you think it's whatever, all of the principles of of those stories that include Jesus are fantastic. He's a really mm-hmm. sweet guy. He loves everyone. He says forgive your enemies. He's a pacifist. But um, so so even the myth of Jesus, or if you believe that he is real, like there's a lot of good. Good shit that I like about. So I'm a big Jesus guy and I'm not a big Bible True. church guy. So for me, I always am trying to humanize Jesus that way. I'm always mm. wanting to be like kinda of like like the argument you'd make for like George W. Bush. Like, listen, he wasn't a great president, but a good guy. He's like, a
0: <laughs> good <laughs> He paints.
2: At least give me that. At least give <laughs> me that George W. Bush loves beer and baseball and he can make you chuckle. You know, like that's that's what I like. So I feel like I, I feel like if you can do that. Um, with with Jesus or some of those Bible stories, it, it goes a long way. One of my favorite bits is about Doubting Thomas. Do you guys know him?
0: Yeah, sure.
2: So it's like uh, Jesus dies and, and allegedly rises on the third day and, and, and reveals himself to some of the disciples. And the other disciples go tell the other disciples, and they're like, hey, um, Jesus is back. You know, the guy that we saw get crucified and stabbed in the side and put in that tomb, like he's, he's back from the dead. And Thomas is like, you no. Come on. And then they call him Doubting Thomas for the rest of history. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's Reasonable Skeptic
1: Thomas. uh, That seems more fair. Yeah,
2: Yeah, like like we live in a scientific world. I feel like if someone said that my friend, my sister who died in a car crash came back to life, I'd be like, hey, man, I don't know. I'd have to kind of – so I just love – I love when anytime you can explain to an audience a story, sometimes you have to fill them in on it. Right. Uh, but but yeah, and so you should use that for sure. You know how many comics are just heathens when it comes to that stuff? They know nothing. They could they could quote the zeitgeist or whatever the hell it is, but like they, they know nothing about like So
0: yeah.
2: if you have all that information, Drew, like you should definitely use it for your material. Like don't don't hide away from that. It's good shit in there.
0: Yeah, I like I like using it. I just I, I'm always, I guess, just working through my head to make sure um, I'm not saying something that no one else, that mm-hmm. half the yeah. crowd is going to lose and be like, "What? What? I don't remember that." <laughs> Ruth? Who's Ruth? Like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get into like the, the deep stuff, you know. <laughs> so I try to keep it surface level. But sometimes I don't know what other people know and don't know. So I, I just did, I would say you,
2: That's good advice too, um, for anyone listening. That's like, is do you think your audience is mostly comedians?
0: Mm, absolutely. Oh yeah.
2: Okay. So. I've always said to people, like, I met this one guy, Mikey, he's awesome, he's one of my friend's best friends, and whenever I go to Connecticut, he comes to my shows, and Mikey was thinking about doing stand-up, uh, I don't think he ever did, whatever, but he works and has worked in his parents' morgue his whole life, so he's just like, that's, and I was like, dude, that that's what you talk about, any situation that you have that's where, like, I know the Bible is a really big one, but, like, not many comics are dump- jumping into that space, and so, like just the fact that your dad is a preacher or like whatever, like you got to, like you've got to use that shit. So anything that's unique to your life, if you ice skate, if you're a pro skateboarder, if you're a, I mean, I guess a mom and dad's too vague, but like anything that's like niche, dude, that's your wheelhouse. Like run with that for sure.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I I love those stuff. And it's, it's jokes that no one can steal from me because (laughs) it's so unique to my experience. So I I definitely love those. And I I love the safety. (laughs) (laughs) well Well, if they steal them it's their fault like
2: my uh like the thing that makes me unique is that i'm really happy a lot of comedians are just they're miserable all the time and i've i've really mastered happiness and so like that's what i'm trying to talk about most on stage because i think that's the thing that's most unique to me compared to other comedians is like you'll never see me not smiling like i'm i've i'm i'm very happy guy
1: do you ever, so me too. And do you ever get this moment with comics? They're, they're all pissed off at me. Uh, they want to know, like, what are you doing in comedy? Like you're happy. Look at your life. Like get away from yeah. all this. Why are you here? I'm, I, I frequently find myself in that conversation. Are, are, do you, are you there as well?
2: Oh, all the time. Yeah. I've heard it my whole career. I, I mean, I, when I'm not getting, you don't look like you should be a comedian I'm getting you don't uh, you, you know, you're too happy for this job or you don't have enough misery. You don't have a, that's such like generic, like that's a hacky opinion, let alone mm. a hacky joke or something. It's like, mm. like for take a podcast for example. I remember um, saying to someone, he was like, "Ah, I don't want to do that." Everyone has a podcast, and I say, "Yeah, but you don't. Your <laughs> voice isn't being heard. There's not a podcast of from yeah. you. People want to hear like we're all different, so we're all funny in different ways. We're all have different things, and so I find it interesting that someone would think that my happiness." when no other comedians are this happy, wouldn't work for comedy. In fact, that's what makes me different enough that I should be doing those. Like I, you know, I'm actually happy that all those comics are negative because it makes me look different. So, you know, I I never listen to any of that shit. And also like, I think that if you get to tell jokes uh, for a living and you're good at it and human beings are laughing at you that don't even know you and like you're getting free drinks and nachos and maybe you're getting paid (laughs) for it and maybe they're sending you all over the world to do it the balls on you to ever fucking complain ever again. Is, uh, I mean, you're a, you're it, a selfish bro. asshole. If you, if you're grumpy,
0: love it. Sure. Also, you're getting nachos. What? <laughs>
1: I want these nachos. <laughs> yeah, one of my
2: first gigs ever, I, the guy came out and he goes, uh, this is a true story. It was a triple run. And one of the, one of the guys uh, comes out and he goes, I didn't even do that. Good. He comes out. He goes, uh, Hey man, tonight was a little lighter than we expected. And, uh, you know, I hate to do this, but, uh, you know, maybe I could just get you a, a few beers and nachos for your pay. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I would get my nachos anyways. Like I was so happy. About
0: Did you have like, like a –
2: Nachos and beer. Like I, didn't, I don't care. We do this job for free and then they just start paying you. It's insane.
0: Feels like a dumb and dumber moment, like, excuse my friends, the town's that way. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly.
2: I think he was like, oh shit, this guy's really happy about it. All right. I like,
0: I'm paying I'm paying everyone in beer and nachos from now on. Forget money.
1: Let, let's what go
2: you guys, ahead. Like, we all, you guys do comedy. Do you guys do comedy for free now?
1: More than I'd like, yeah. Mostly. <laughs>
2: but, but I mean, when you first started, you didn't get paid. I, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And then out of nowhere, we just get money for it. And I always think that this is the only job that if I won the if I won the lottery tomorrow and I, they just put like twenty billion into my bank account, I'd still go do stand up comedy every night. And yeah. also, if they just decided and made it a law, like no no comedians ever get paid again, I would still go and do this every single night. So that's yeah. how you know you're doing exactly what you want to be doing.
0: That's that's a, that's such a great point, and uh, I think uh, I think it maybe it's time that we get into one of our final segments here. Uh, th- and hopefully we, g- we gave you a little bit of a heads up on this one, oh, but yeah. this, this is Brian's favorite joke.
1: <laughs> All right, Jeff. So we call this last laugh. And what this is, is what joke do you want on your tombstone? If you remember by as a comedian,
2: this is tough. I, I've always said that on my tombstone, I wanted my quote to be, his last words were, "Hey, watch this."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's super
2: appropriate for like, you know, I there's two types of funny people. Me and Brian Regan were talking about this uh, on my podcast, Jeff Does Friendship, about how like there's the guy that's in the back of the room that's funny that's like just kind of murmuring to his friends and making them laugh he's usually more like a cerebral kind of type and then there's the other guy that's like the class clown who's on the table and he's not even really that funny but he's dancing and people are like ah what a crack up I'm that guy for sure (laughs) I I guess I want to be the the cerebral smart one who's making his buddies laugh but I'm more of the class clown dance on the table type and um, so since that's been my entire life of being that 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 comedian that funny guy, I'm always just trying. I'm just always getting into something or always being like, "Hey, check this out." I'm like, "That's why Money from the Strangers was a great show for me because I was just constantly messing with people." And uh, and if you ever like spend a day with me, if you guys are ever in LA and we're hanging out, you'll see it. I have a little stupid gag for literally every profession, wherever we go. I've got some dumb thing to say. I've I talk to strangers, kids, dogs. It doesn't matter. Um, because I just want to, I want everyone's attention. I want everyone to like kind of be my friend. And so it's very annoying, but it's, it's also just how I am. So I feel like I say, watch this all the time. <laughs>
0: nice. You just crowd work the world around you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And that, I think that's a lot of comics, right? We just, we, we want that validation. We want people to like us and that's what's kind of what keeps us doing this in some ways. Um, and that's just and your whole world. Wrong with
2: it. I think like a therapist no. would tell you like, Oh, you don't need them to, it's like, I'm not, what does life have to do with needs? I don't need yeah. anything. I don't need a house. I don't need like a, it's about what I want. I want yep. people to like me. And if they don't, mm. then that's good. I had to come to terms with that with Eliza Lessinger. Um, Eliza Plessinger is not a big Jeff Dye fan, for sure, at all. Like, we did, you know, <laughs> did not get along famously. But I was constantly like, be my friend, be my friend. And I had to kind of come to terms with like, I don't need Eliza to like me. I just want her to like me. I just want her approval yeah. and I want her to be my friend. And I want her to say nice things when I'm not around. If, if she's never going to do that, that's okay. I have to be cool with that. But it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that.
1: That's a that's a great distinction between wants and needs, uh, and I I agree with everything. Uh, also, you sound like a pretty cool guy to hang out with. So, man, I, yeah, if yeah. I'm in LA, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and we're gonna we're gonna go yeah. make fun of the world. That'll be fun. <laughs> uh, let let's do this. So, we talked about the friendship podcast. I think you're, weren't you working on something like Terry Bradshaw? So, I'm just uh, give us a, a rundown of what you're doing, where we can find you, things coming up, anything you got going on.
2: Sure. Uh, I used to have a show with uh, Terry Bradshaw, George Foreman, Henry Winkler, and William Shatner <laughs> on NBC called that's Better Late Than Never. Yeah. It's amazing. And then uh, yeah. that's not going on anymore. But I am on a couple episodes, maybe one episode, maybe I'll be on none of the episodes of the Bradshaw bunch on E. Where because I'm like Terry Bradshaw's like son, so <laughs> uh, so I we get along so great that they put me on a couple of those things when I was out at his ranch. Uh, so then that's maybe what you're referencing. I have a podcast called danger talk on Apple with, uh, Russell Wilson. And every week we have different guests, Last week we had Ken Griffey Jr., which was like a dream for me. That's amazing. Uh, next week we have Matthew McConaughey, which will be good. Oh, and then mm-hmm. I have uh, my own podcast called Jeff Dye's Friendship Podcast, which is on all things comedy. Last week I had Brian mm-hmm. Regan. This week I'm going to have Jeff Garland mm-hmm. from Kirby Enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, that's All the TV stuff's on hold because yeah. of, uh, LA is like frightened to, to even open stores. So the TV stuff, I got a few things. I'm on a show called I Can See Your Voice, which is on Fox. Uh, that comes out on Wednesdays. I don't know when or what episodes I'm on on that, but uh, watch that. Yeah. Nice. But other than how, do we, that,
0: how do we find you on social media?
2: Just my name at Jeff for everything. J E F F D Y E.
0: Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for, for coming to hanging yeah. out with us. Season one or sorry, season two premiere of breaking down bits. Uh, it was absolutely our pleasure to have you. Thanks for sharing so yeah. much goodness in this episode. I'm going to have to turn around and just rewatch it at yeah, myself, just to kind of like soak it all in. So, thanks for your time, thanks for your experience, and and also for for truly bringing a little a little hope and and laughter to the world, uh, and thanks, inspiring man. others to do the same. Well,
1: yeah, appreciate good, you guys. Good luck finding Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you all. Thank everybody who's listening. Next week we're back with Sam Talent, so come back and check us out. Thank you, Jeff. One of my favorite Yo.
2: people in the world. I love Sam Talent. Absolutely. Right, bye, guys. Love you, bye, guys. all. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.